0: everybody
1: what's up everybody welcome back to another episode of the lights out podcast i'm your host josh and back this week is our producer joel i am back he was uh (laughs) very very sick last week which is why you didn't see him in the episode and but he's feeling a lot better now
0: absolutely i think i just had to hibernate for a while just to feel better and yeah just back to my normal self now so thank well good
1: because this is the perfect episode for you to, to join me on because we're gonna be talking about witchcraft and specifically the man behind sort of the creation of not witchcraft necessarily but Wicca uh, which is a religion that we'll talk more about but it's interesting because to give you a little backstory on Joel and I so we we grew up in a very fundamentalist Christian home uh you know we were basically a part of churches that take what the bible says literally yeah which hence you know what fundamental means so we grew up in a very sheltered home where we were not exposed to anything i mean literally our parents thought anything magic was the road to hell (laughs) (laughs) you know like we were on the fast train to you know the the hellscape that awaits us so we were not you know we weren't even allowed to watch or read harry potter for a long time like i had to fight tooth and nail with my parents to finally be able to start reading harry (laughs) potter because because they you know they were part of a church that i don't know if you've ever heard of focus on the family but this this group this christian group they go out and they have a website that like reviews all secular music and movies and stuff and so my parents they would go on there And look up anything that we were listening to or books that were or movies we were trying to watch. And if they didn't get a good review on this focus on the family website, they're like, absolutely not. (laughs) You guys cannot. You can't listen to this. Can't Mm. read this. And so, of course, Harry Potter, you know, is about witchcraft and wizards and warlocks and all that kind of cool shit, which I've always been into magic. I've been a big fantasy fan for a long time. Joel has, too. We grew up watching lord of the rings which actually has magic in it which is funny but for whatever reason that one kind of slides slides by because it's it's lord of the rings um but anything else was just not okay
0: like even pokemon our parents were like this is witchcraft yeah associated with the devil you know we probably had some good cards back then that they just threw away yeah we'd have to like
1: joel and i would get pokemon cards and we'd have to like keep them secret from our parents (laughs) we'd be like having pokemon battles in, yeah. in the backseat of our van like in secret total secrecy because <laughs> yeah if they found out that we were playing with pokemon cards they would straight up take it away from us so and they did and so, they did yeah they right. did we had them for a short amount of time and yeah. they're like absolutely not guys you cannot because they just they were just going by what you know their church was telling them to do exactly. and they thought was right for us so yeah. so the reason i bring this up is because obviously joel and i are not a part of The church anymore we left religion a long time ago basically when i turned 18 essentially i realized that this just isn't what i want to do this isn't what i believe and you know there's a huge array of other reasons why i left sort of religion and christianity which i won't get into right now because that could be a whole whole podcast in itself but you know i've always been interested in these other sort of alternative religions and spirituality in general i mean for a long time i was like for straight up atheists after i think just out of pure anger and spite of religion but you know i've started to work my way back into spirituality and i've started exploring different ideas and obviously through this show i get to to research and look into a lot of different individuals beliefs and perceptions of the world and the universe and just spirituality in general i mean i found alistair crowley really interesting which we actually will, will get to him today a little bit But I've specifically become interested in Wicca, and that's what we're talking about today is a man named Gerald Gardner, who's sort of heralded as the father of witchcraft, and you know he's kind of the one who really brought Wicca, I guess, into, I I don't wanna say mainstream, but he brought it sort of into the world and really helped bring a lot of people to it. It's really up to different people's interpretations of how they feel about Gerald Gardner, and a lot of people believe that he's you know, he kind of used Wicca as a way to sort of, you know, power himself and for egotistical reasons, you know, gain this following and, and teach people versus actually doing it for the right reasons. So he's got a very, very interesting story. And I don't think a lot of people fully understand what witchcraft is. It's got a huge stigma on it, obviously, by the mainstream media. And I think the general public just doesn't really understand it. So they oftentimes, jump to conclusions and, and yeah. just assume that anybody that practices witchcraft or believes in magic is somehow associated with, like, the dark arts or is, or is doing something demonic or is, like, summoning demons and, yeah. you know, doing all of this, you know, sending all of this spells and curses and hexes and stuff on people in a negative way. But that's yeah obviously that there is that aspect to it, but the majority of people use magic and witchcraft for good and for you know reasons of connecting with the earth and nature and things like that And that's really what wicca is at its core is really just you know everything around us is magic the earth is magic i mean that's what i truly believe is that the earth in itself is magic i mean magic's all around us i mean how do we we can't even explain how our bodies really work inside and out we don't understand consciousness i think consciousness is magic in essence the fact mm-hmm. that the sun comes up every day is magic yeah there's so many things around us that are magic and i mean people try to put science to different things and obviously science can explain some things but science can't explain everything right and some of it is just magic it's just we don't understand it so mm-hmm. it's just is that's what magic is something that really can't be explained and is you know i mean you could look at the paranormal yeah, as, as right. a magical realm in a lot of ways so yeah I think magic is more real than people give it credit for and I think if more people actually were educated on witchcraft and you know these different alternative belief systems I think they would maybe open their eyes to it a little bit more and and kind of you know expand their horizons a bit so that's why I want to cover these topics and I know from the beginning I I I told you that I wanted to dive into different occult topics uh esoteric topics because there's just so much interesting information out there that actually makes a lot of sense for explaining how things work how the universe works and sort of how our relationship with the cosmos and and just our relationship with each other works so that's why we're going to be talking about gerald gardner today and wicca and i'm not saying that i am a wiccan i don't claim to be i'm not really a part of anything necessarily i just like to explore these topics so you know if you're somebody who absolutely hates this kind of stuff you know don't come for me because i mean i'm not i'm not a representative of this religion i just find it very interesting i like to learn about it and i will just flat out say right now if you're a wiccan and you're listening to this there is a chance that i'm not going to get everything right because there's obviously a lot of just like any religion there's all these caveats to it there's all these different sort of branches that stem off the tree like joel and i were a part of different denominations of Christianity and they all sort of have their own flavor to things and that's how Wicca is that's how many of these other you know that's how Satanism is like Mm -hmm. a lot of these different religions have different branches to it you know there's the more extreme ones and there's the ones that are you know just take it very loosely so keep that in mind and when you're listening to this episode but let's go ahead and get into things before we do this episode is brought to you by Babel every plate and IP vanish so let's get into the story of Gerald Gardner, but I think it's important we start with sort of how, how Wicca came along. So Christianity is a monotheistic religion that worships what they believe to be the one true God. And that's what Joel and I were part of, that is the essence of Christianity. But during the Roman Empire, there was very little tolerance for those who worshiped false gods or polytheistic religions. Fourth century Christians referred to these polytheistic religious groups as pagans. And the idea of paganism became synonymous with false religion and blasphemy. And Protestants and Catholics would accuse each other of being pagans as a way to discredit the other group. It would be hundreds of years before anyone would refer to themselves as pagan. And by the 18th and 19th centuries, the label was picked up by artists and intellectuals who liked being associated with ancient folklore and ethnic religions of pre-Christian Europe. During the 20th century, Christianity continued to decline in Europe. And at the same time, people were becoming more tolerant of different cultures and religions. And these changes to society paved the way for modern paganism, which quickly splintered into multiple factions with their own beliefs, rituals, and traditions. That tree that I'm talking about. There are a few commonalities that link most modern pagans. Belief in the divine reverence for nature, and respect for the sacred feminine. And I mean, that's just a few of many. For pagans, the divine doesn't necessarily mean literal divine beings as it does in monotheistic religions. Gods and goddesses are more often representations of natural forces, which ties into their appreciation and protection of the natural world. The divinity of nature is often represented by sacred feminine which is the female counterpart to male gods that exist in patriarchal religions. As paganism splintered into multiple factions, a surprising movement came out ahead of all the rest, modern witchcraft or Wicca. And modern witches in the early 20th century were forced to practice in secret. There were still laws on the books in Europe that strictly prohibited the practice of witchcraft because they didn't take the time to understand it. The first witchcraft act was enacted in 1542. And this law made witchcraft a felony crime punishable by seizing all personal possessions of the witch before putting her to death. I mean, how fair is that? That's, that's absolutely insane because like back and thank God we have the freedom that we do. I think the freedom of religion is very important because I think as, as a human being on this planet, we all are having our own experience. So I think it's important for everybody to be able to explore their beliefs and explore their spirituality in an open and free way and obviously not everybody has that liberty in every country in the world and i just think that's that is a basic human right that we all should have the ability to believe what we want to spiritually and practice whatever spiritual practices we want to do and not be punished by death i mean can you imagine if if that still happened today here in the united states i mean it happens still in other parts of the world but here in the United States, I mean, that'd be crazy if yeah. people, you know, if you were, you know, someone caught you doing a simple ritual and that could literally be like meditating with some crystals around you. you and fight. then, and then the police bust through your door, arrest you and then hang you in the, you know, yeah. I mean, there in would the be center s- town.
0: <laughs> There'd be so many executions if that was the right. case. That's like the, <laughs> There would be. People it, would riot and lose their minds. It'd
1: be a crazy world to live in. So yeah. this was the reality though, back in the 15 and 1600s and even all the way up in the seventeen. Uh, 1800s too but the catholic church in medieval europe played a large role in condemning and punishing witchcraft even though priests claimed to have basically the same powers as many witches if you think about it priests they used blessings prayers holy water sacred objects in order to perform rituals meant to heal the sick protect the healthy and prevent natural disasters individuals were given amulets to wear that had been blessed by the priest for further protection. And of course, the Catholic church performed exorcism rituals to drive away evil spirits and demons and to provide continued protection against demonic possessions. So there's a lot of similarities here. And this is what I've always found interesting is when somebody from you know the Catholic faith or Christianity judges witchcraft or, satanists for that matter and you know accuse them of being these ritualistic you know people that are doing these evil ceremonies and whatnot but it's like it's literally the same thing that a priest does like every sunday at mass like right if you've especially if you've ever been to a catholic mass before i mean there's a lot of rituals and rites and Mm. you know people are literally reciting you know text and things like that during the service and the priest wears a robe, but yeah. he's, he's got incense, incense going, on every, you yeah. know, it's very, that's very similar to what it happens is. in other rituals and other religions. So,
0: but I think during this time for the Catholic church is all about maintaining their power because they were the biggest power right. force totally. out
1: there. So control, it's control. all about control. I mean, yeah. the Catholic church, the had arms that reached around the entire world at right. one point. So obviously they don't want something else that's going to exactly. rival, rival them in any way. So. And with witchcraft, you know, a lot of the rituals that they did had to do with healing and protection as well. But since these rituals weren't associated with the church, they were deemed the work of the devil, especially if they worked. So this idea linked witchcraft to the concepts of evil and devil worship, a misconception that still exists today, which is super unfortunate. Because, like, for example, if you wear a pentagram, if you wear a shirt with a pentagram or you have a pentagram jewelry on, and you go to some places um in your in your town or your city or wherever you live, I guarantee you somebody you come across is gonna give you a look. Oh and it's yeah. gonna give you a dirty look that's very judgmental, that's gonna basically tell you that they think that you're evil, that you're practicing some like Yeah. Demon conjuring in your free time.
0: They would draw to the conclusion that you're a Satanist or something. Right. Exactly.
1: When they don't even understand that the pentagram is a Wiccan symbol. Right. Right. It has nothing to do with Satanism. In fact, which is hilarious because the pentagram goes back to Christianity. Right. And most people don't even know that No, which is hilarious to that. People don't even know that much about their own religion that they would be able to identify that as, Oh, that was once a former Christian symbol. (laughs) Good point. Yeah it's very interesting it is so to call someone a witch was the same as calling them evil and people started blaming witches for anything that went wrong in their lives such as failing crops lost cattle or even a death in their families and no matter the hardship a person could claim a witch had placed a curse on them a simple explanation for random events and a convenient scapegoat to blame and over the next two centuries witchcraft acts continue to be passed in england scotland ireland and Wales eventually the church and government powers in europe no longer believed in legitimate witchcraft so the laws were changed to punish someone who claimed to be a witch with fines and prison sentences just as any other con artist or fraudster would be punished but the fear and stigma around witchcraft continued and in the 1900s the witchcraft act of 1735 was still being enforced in england one of the last convictions under the act took place in 1944 and years earlier, Helen Duncan claimed she had contacted the spear of a sailor who died on a sunken British battleship in 1941, along with over 800 of his officers. But at the time, Helen made this claim. The government was still keeping the sunken ship a secret from the public. So they arrested Helen during a seance in September 1944, and she was sentenced to nine months in prison. To avoid being arrested and charged, Witches would meet in secret to perform their rituals, which I think just adds to the mystery and why people don't really know what they do. They'd go to parks, wooded areas, and sometimes right in the middle of a city to be close to nature and to stay hidden in plain sight. But then in 1938, a new player emerged on the scene, a 52-year-old retiree named Gerald Gardner, who settled in a conservative community on the south coast of England called Highcliffe. Gerald Brousseau Gardner was born on June 13, 1884 to parents William and Louise in Blundelsons, Lancashire, England. His family had made their fortune in the timber trade, and Gerald had two older brothers, Harold and Robert, and one younger brother, Francis, but he was never close to any of his siblings. He suffered from crippling asthma and chronic bronchitis, and his parents hired a nursemaid named Josephine McComby, nicknamed Cum, to take care of him. When he was six years old, his parents sent him to the Far East with Kum, which they thought would be better for his failing health. There are conflicting accounts of whether Kum, or maybe it's Kum, enjoyed caring for Gerald or resented him. And from their first trip abroad, Gerald never went back to living with his parents and brothers full time. So from a young age, he was well traveled. He never went to school and later claimed he taught himself to read. His favorite subjects were anthropology, archaeology, and folklore. When Kam got married, Gerald moved with her to South Asia and got a job on her husband's tea plantation. His next job was managing a rubber plantation that his father had invested in. Eventually, he settled in Malaysia. He was already interested in the occult and the culture, religions, and magical beliefs of the Malaysian people, and it really fascinated him. He pioneered research into the country's early civilization and was especially focused on studying ritual knives and daggers and tribal ritual magic. He witnessed a healing ritual of a young girl who was put into a trance before the disease was driven from her body. And to the tribe, magic was as real as anything else, and Gerald wanted to learn everything about it. For magic rituals and spells, he got involved in naturism, which involved the practice of communal nudity and spiritualism where he saw people make contact with the spirits of the dead. After seeing the potential power of a ritual, ceremony, or seance with his own eyes, he had no doubt that magic was real and very powerful. He continued to travel and went on expeditions to find lost ancient cities. Sounds like fun. He even claimed to have found the ruins of the Kingdom of Singapore from 1398. And according to the legend, the fall of Singapore followed a brutal massacre by invading forces where blood flowed like a river and permanently stain the soil red. Gerald financed his research and expeditions with a lucrative career as a civil servant and inspector for the British government, inspecting rubber plantations and opium establishments. In 1927, he took a trip back to England, and by the time he returned to Malaysia, he was accompanied by his new wife, Dorothea Frances Rosedale, the daughter of a clergyman who went by Donna, and they had met, got engaged and got married in a whirlwind romance. But he and Donna stayed in Malaysia until he retired in 1936, and then he spent a few years traveling around. While he was in Cyprus, which is an island nation in the Mediterranean Sea, he realized that he had lived there before in his previous life. And he was inspired by his recovered memories and dreams to write his first novel, A Goddess Arrives, set in Cyprus. He and Donna went back to London in 1938 where people were preparing for the war and anticipating an airstrike or bombing. Gerald volunteered to help with the war efforts and soon he and Donna decided to move to a more remote area and settled in Highcliffe, a town near the New Forest in Hampshire. They bought a house called Southridge on the corner of Highland Avenue and Elphinstone Road. With a bright white tangle of hair, a pointed white beard and visible tattoos, Gerald stood out among the locals, and wasted no time making himself known. Though he looked odd, Gerald was charismatic, fascinating, and witty, a welcome presence no matter where he went or what kind of people he was around. The Southridge property had a large backyard that from the street was completely hidden from view, and before long this became a popular spot for local naturists and nudists. The group became known as the Elphintone Road Nudist Colony and members included prominent citizens like bankers, accountants, and teachers. Gerald set up a dark room in his house where he could develop photos of his naturist friends in privacy. There were rumors of affairs, flagellation, and group sex taking place at Southridge. One day, Gerald and Donna went to see a play at the First Rosicrucian Theater in England, which was run by members of the Rosicrucian Order Crotona Fellowship. He was hoping to learn more about Rosicrucianism, a spiritual movement dating back to the 17th century that was based around mysticism, magic, spiritual enlightenment, and a secret brotherhood. Gerald ended up joining the order, which incorporated ideas from Rosicrucianism, the Freemasons, and Theosophy, an occult movement that emphasized ancient spiritual knowledge, personal development, and reincarnation. He also joined the Folklore Society and the Historical Association, and he continued to volunteer to help with the war efforts. Through the order, he found a small group of like-minded people who were also interested in the occult. As he studied the local folklore, he discovered a connection between his new friends and the history of the area, witchcraft. And soon it was revealed to him that this small group within the order had formed their own secret group called the New Forest Coven. He was brought into their circle of trust and told that they were all hereditary witches and descendants of witches who had been persecuted centuries before for practicing their craft. Gerald discovered his own links to witchcraft as several of his family members were believed to have psychic abilities and his grandfather had married a witch. He also found out he was a descendant of Grisel Gardner, a witch who was executed in 1610. And one member told Gerald that they had met in a previous life at the exact location in Cyprus that he had recognized from a past life of his. He even participated in rituals and ceremonies in New Forest, often in a structure called the Witch's Cottage. There he saw a version of ritual magic he saw performed by tribal communities in the Far East. And the rituals were always done in the nude, a person's natural state, as nudity symbolized that everyone was equal and removed their connection to worldly possessions. They cast a circle, usually with a wand, to create a space within nature completely separate from life outside the coven. The power of the ritual came from the forces of nature here on earth and in the cosmos. Power also came from the witches themselves and the divinity that dwelled within them. Movement and dance within the circle released energy and chanting set up vibrations. The faster the movements and chanting, the more power they could harness. Once Gerald proved that he was devoted to the coven, he was introduced to Dorothy Clutterbuck or Old Dorothy. In September, 1939, He was brought to her house for his initiation ceremony. And during the ceremony, he was stripped naked and blindfolded, and nude witches surrounded him and whispered the secrets of their ancient magical religion. He heard them whisper, Wicca. And then he pushed through a doorway and into a circle of witches, his official welcome into the coven. Right away, he took a leadership role in the New Forest rituals. He knew a single witch couldn't wield much power, but together... They could harness enough power to change the world. He wanted to prove that the coven could have a broader impact on real-world events, so he decided to test their powers by performing a ritual to stop the Nazis from invading. The Germans were planning to launch Operation Sea Lion, the codename for the invasion of England, in September 1940, which would have given Hitler total control over Western Europe. The coven gathered in the New Forest to perform a Cone of Power ritual and this would be the largest cone of power they ever attempted. They cast a great circle, and together they danced around a fire and chanted to build up power. Those among them who could see the cone's energy watched as they raised it into the sky and sent it toward the German forces and to Hitler himself. When the time was right, the coven sent the command, you cannot cross the sea, you cannot come. The ritual required a great deal of energy to be successful, and a lot of that energy came from the witches themselves. When it was done, they were all completely depleted. They knew before the ritual that they may have to sacrifice their life force for the greater good, and some of the older witches never recovered and actually died soon after. No one knows for sure if the cone of power ritual that Gerald orchestrated in the new forest actually worked, but it's a fact that on September 17th, 1940, Hitler postponed Operation Sea Lion indefinitely. And the Nazis never invaded England. Gerald considered the ritual a success and was excited by the coven's power. He wanted to tell the world about all the possibilities of witchcraft and what it could do. I don't know if that was just a coincidence or if maybe in fact the ritual actually worked because that's honestly pretty crazy to think that Operation Sea Lion never, never happened after this ritual took place. So I mean a lot of people just say well that's just coincidence that that happened but maybe maybe there was some sort of power that was really harnessed that somehow affected this this change in Hitler's plan.
0: Yeah or it just intimidated Hitler cuz he didn't yeah, have or, enough knowledge on it or you
1: know, Yeah so. I don't, I don't know or something subconsciously affected yeah. him and just made him decide not to do it that was a bad idea. I don't know that's really interesting to me. It but is. It. But it still wasn't safe for witches to come out publicly. And when Helen Duncan was prosecuted in 1944, members of the coven were pushed further into secrecy. It was illegal to practice witchcraft and associating with magic or the occult made someone a pariah. Then in 1945, the so-called witchcraft murder made national news. A hedge cutter in his 70s named Charles Walton was found dead on February 14th, 1945 on his farm in Warwickshire, England. He was beaten to death with a stick and then pinned to the ground by a pitchfork stuck right through his neck. The sign of the cross was carved into his chest with his own billhook. The local police took witchcraft very seriously and made the connection to Charles' ritualistic murder. That year, Valentine's Day was also Ash Wednesday, a day associated with black magic when the ancient druids made sacrifices to the earth, and the blood of their victims replenished the fertility of the spoil. There was a local rumor that an old woman was murdered in a nearby village in the exact same way in 1875, and a young man had confessed to her murder and said he did it to rid the village of witchcraft. So people started to believe that Charles must have been a witch too, and he was murdered for casting a spell on the land that made the ground barren and the crops fail. The story, though, was obviously sensationalized in newspapers, and soon everyone was talking about the witch murder. But Gerald didn't flinch. He was more determined than ever to bring witchcraft to the masses. And in the mid-1940s, he went back to London, excited to share what he had learned with his time with his coven. Before we get into what happens next with Gerald and his meeting with the Great Beast, we're going to take a quick ad break and we'll be right back. All right, so Gerald has moved back to London in the mid-1940s. And he's going to try to bring witchcraft to the masses. But unfortunately, the witchcraft act is still in place. And people who are associated with witches are also associated with evil. And around this time, we've got the great Alistair Crowley, known as the Great Beast and the wickedest man in the world who also practiced witchcraft. We have a whole episode on Alistair if you're looking for a deep dive on him. Very interesting and misunderstood individual, I would say. But Alistair was accused of being a Satanist and worshiping the devil. And instead of denying it, he embraced these criticisms. He incorporated Satanic symbols into his rituals and even advocated for human sacrifice. Gerald incorporated some of Alistair's ideas into his ritual practices. But unlike the great beast, he was only interested in using witchcraft to create positive change. Alistair actually wanted Gerald to take over his secret society after he died but Gerald wasn't interested in anything secret anymore. It became his life's mission to establish witchcraft as a legitimate religion. Other witches continued to gather in secret in places like the Atlantis Bookshop in Bloomsbury, London. Places like this were a safe haven for witches, astrologers, numerologists, naturists, and magicians to come together and discuss ideas openly without fear of judgment or persecution. But this absolutely frustrated Gerald he hated the secrecy that kept continuing, but he found a clever workaround. In 1949, he published a novel under the pseudonym called High Magic's Aid, a guidebook for how to perform rituals and practice witchcraft disguised as a work of fiction. And this was the first public introduction to Gerald's take on modern witchcraft and a religious movement that would one day be known as Wicca, which means wise people. In addition to ideas from Aleister Crowley, Gerald also incorporated concepts from English folklore, ancient ceremonial magic, and the Freemasons, as well as reappropriating symbols like the pentagram. Soon after this book was published, a group of spiritualists supported by Winston Churchill led a campaign against the witchcraft act. In 1951, they succeeded and the act was repealed. And for the first time in modern history, the people of England could come out publicly as witches. For the next decade, Gerald was completely devoted to spreading the word of Wicca. And in 1954, he published Witchcraft Today, an essential guide to Gardnerian Wicca. He also opened England's first museum of witchcraft. He was featured in newspapers and tabloids that jumped at the chance to gain readership through the sensational story of a male witch who cast spells in the nude. And some tabloids even accused him of practicing dark magic. A lot of what was printed, though, was exaggerated or untrue. But with every published story, witchcraft became more mainstream. In 1957, he was interviewed by an early investigative reporter named Daniel Farson for a segment on a TV show. And the segment featured people who held odd views about life and claimed to find out if these people are just cranks or if they're one step ahead of us. During the interviews, Gerald was interviewed, and he remained calm, poised, and dignified, no matter how outlandish or offensive the questions were. We'll go ahead and play a couple clips of that interview.
0: Oh, that's nonsense. You see, they've got a very good their own, and they work uh, a little magic as they want to. And of course, most of it is just they have a little dinner and a dance, <laughs> The traditional witch's costume, which is what? <laughs> the skin
1: <laughs> in the news, Yes, exactly. People were drawn to Gerald, and his falling continued to grow, and he initiated many high priestesses into his coven. And these high priestesses each formed their own covens with their own members and Wicca spread throughout Europe. Then in 1958, he got his big break. He was invited to appear on the BBC's current affairs program called Panorama, an appearance that would introduce Wicca to an audience of 12 million people. And just like in the other interviews, he stayed calm and collected and people were shocked to see an accomplished, intelligent older man, introduced as Dr. Gerald Gardner, reveal that he was actually a witch. A fellow witch named Lois Bourne joined him on the show. With her face covered by a black veil, she defended his work and witchcraft in general, and explained why people were drawn to the practice. We'll go ahead and play some clips of Lois actually on Panorama. I had all these spiritual gifts, and I didn't know what to do with them. And eventually, I read a book by Gerald Gardner, I think it was called Witchcraft Today, and I wrote to him and I asked him if he could explain these strange things which had happened to me throughout my life. And he said, well, it's very clear to me, my dear, that you are a witch. I think he was driven by something outside himself. I think this was his purpose in life. But much later in life, after Lois no longer felt the need to conceal her identity as a witch, She talked about how Gerald helped her understand who she was and embrace her spiritual gifts. After the BBC interview, Gerald had accomplished his life's purpose. He was now the king of witches, or the father of witchcraft, and the first ever celebrity witch. Wicca gained even more popularity in the 1960s, and young women were especially drawn to the religion for its emphasis on gender equality and sacred sexuality. It was as if Gerald had predicted the upcoming cultural revolution and tailor-made his religion for the times. Gerald Gardner didn't live to see Wicca become truly a global phenomenon, as he spent the winter of 1963 in Lebanon, and while returning home on a ship, he died of a heart attack on February 12, 1964, at 79 years old. He was buried in Tunisia at the ship's next scheduled stop, and the only person who attended his burial was the ship's captain honestly kind of sad to think about after he's influenced all these people and he died basically alone and didn't have anybody that loved him or you know that he actually cared about in his life at his his funeral essentially by the late 1960s the counterculture movement had emerged in the u.s and american youth were rejecting the cultural norms of the previous generations and embracing sexual freedom equality personal autonomy environmentalism Peace, love, and harmony. In other words, everything that Wicca stood for. Before long, Wicca made its way from Europe to the US and became a part of the counterculture movement. And throughout the 1970s and 80s, it continued to spread quickly, becoming a mainstream religion. Modern Wiccans have formed campaigns to lobby the government for the same rights as other organized religions. In England, they formed the Police Pagan Association to protect the religious freedoms of Wiccans, like the right to use ritual knives during ceremonies. In the United States, the Wiccan pentagram is now a religious symbol recognized by the US military and can be carved on military gravestones. It's actually really cool that they do recognize that. Wicca continues to be one of the fastest growing Western religious movements, and witches continue to gather each year for the annual Witch Fest, the largest witchcraft festival in the world. The younger generation is leading the charge and they view Gerald Gardner as a trailblazer and revolutionary who paved the way for modern witches to practice openly and proudly. Many of Gerald's ritual possessions, including wands, crowns, and knives, were handed down to a man named John Bellampane, who lives in Spain. And John also has what he calls the Wiccan Holy Grail, or the Book of Shadows. This foundational text includes Gerald's original spells and rituals that are still used by Wiccans today or some Wiccans I should say. Throughout his life, this was a living document that he continuously updated, making it one of the most significant and valuable religious documents worth more than a million dollars. While Gerald's followers view him as a trailblazer and visionary, not everyone agrees. Lots of Wiccans do not agree with this viewpoint of Gerald Gardner. Some people think he was basically a common man tricking vulnerable people into believing they had magical powers which I think anybody that claims they have magical powers is always going to have people that believe that they're just a fraud and they're just deceiving people in order to gain fame and make money. And I mean, it's obviously hard to say whether or not somebody has magical powers unless they can really prove it or you see it yourself. So I get why people are skeptical. Many have questioned the legitimacy of the Book of Shadows, particularly a set of guidelines called the Ardanes or Old Laws. And Gerald claimed the Ardanes were ancient knowledge that had been passed down through generations of witches, and they apparently came from the New Forest Coven, but he didn't introduce them until 1957. Even some of his loyal followers questioned where these laws really came from. One of the passages had even been copied word for word from one of Aleister Crowley's rituals. Other passages were blatantly sexist and didn't fit within the principles of Wicca. The Ardanes only reference witches being burned at the stake in medieval Europe, even though at the time most witches in England were hanged. One passage even threatens witches who break the laws with an eternity in the hell of Christians, which absolutely makes no sense since Wiccans don't believe a Christian hell exists. The controversy around the Book of Shadows caused several of Gerald's followers to leave him, in fact. And later, many questioned whether the new Forest Coven ever existed in the first place, that maybe he just. Pulled all this information out of his ass and said it was, you know, from this this coven of witches that he got all this information from. And not all witches were happy that Gerald went public, and many openly criticized his seemingly relentless need for publicity. Today, Gardnerian Wicca is considered a mystery tradition, meaning members don't actively recruit, and many of their practices remain closely guarded secrets. What's available to the public about Wiccan rituals likely only scratches the surface of modern witchcraft. Historians have criticized modern witches for appropriating the beliefs and practices of the witches of the 16th and 17th centuries. They argue that people who practice witchcraft today are not descendants of the witches persecuted hundreds of years ago. And of course, modern witches also continue to be compared to evil people that worship the devil and are accused of practicing dark magic all the time. Which is funny that, you know, they get accused of worshiping the devil or that there's some type of evil satanist because even according to Satanists themselves, Lucian Greaves, the co-founder of the Satanic Temple, modern Satanists don't even believe in the supernatural and they don't worship Satan at all. It's actually a non-theistic religion that focuses on political action and preserving the separation of church and state. And I'm actually interested in diving into the Satanic Temple uh, in, in great depth because yeah, it's, it's very too. interesting and Lucian is a very interesting guy. Very well spoken. I think the message that they they have is is a very interesting one. So let us know if you'd like to see an in depth episode on the Satanic Temple, which is very different from Levayan Satanism, which we've covered in the Anton LeVay episode. Very different beliefs. And Satanism is another religion that I think is very misunderstood. Absolutely. That a lot of people just assume it's they're all evil and they want to worship the devil and yeah commit crimes and sins, but that's not the case. I
0: mean, they just judge the symbols, but little do they know, like they intentionally have yeah. those symbols to like.
1: In a sense the were- fact that those symbols make certain people so upset is exactly the point for <laughs> yeah. it. Right? That's what they're trying to right. do. Is prove that, you know, people just react to what people look like. Exactly. The symbols that they use, like people, if it's scary looking, they associate that with you do scary shit. Right. Which is just not not true at all. With all these things in mind, it's likely that Gerald Gardner wouldn't have minded being compared to modern Satanism in a lot of ways. Obviously, not in every way, but in some of the sort of missions that they have. And if Satanism had existed in its present form when Gerald was alive, it's very possible that Gerald would have borrowed some of the ideas from the Satanic Temple and incorporated them into Wicca. I mean, it's just an opinion that he might have done that, maybe not, maybe he would have completely stayed away from it. But I think it's very likely he would have because it seems like he grabbed, you know, and as do most people like this who create religions or create alternative belief systems, oftentimes they sort of cherry pick different ideas from other other belief systems and mm. religions to put it into their own. I mean, he definitely got a lot of inspiration from Aleister Crowley and a lot of information from, these this coven of witches in in new force that he claims he got a lot of information from so i think the biggest thing though with gerald gardner is i know his form of of wicca is definitely different from the modern form of wicca Uh, what wiccans practice today is different than what he taught necessarily i mean there's people that follow some of his teachings but a lot of modern wiccans kind of look at him very very sus because they do believe he might have been full of shit like they really don't necessarily believe that he got all had all this ancient knowledge that he gathered from generations and generations of witches that in fact a lot of it was probably just him making shit up as he goes along. right and it's hard to know i mean unless you're you know you were in his inner circle i mean you really wouldn't know whether or not he was telling the truth or not but there is a lot of skepticism around him even within the wicca community so i think it's important to to note that that you know modern wiccans a lot of them, I know if you go on YouTube and you search the subject, a lot of them will, will say he was basically a fraud. Yeah. And that he wasn't really in it for the right reasons, and you know, it was about publicity for him, getting famous. And God, what fame will do to people. Fame will... Does change people. Changes all types of people, even the most spiritual of people. Right. Once they get some fame and money, we'll see how spiritual they really are, because... A lot of it, a lot of people let it go, let it go to their head, and they completely change, and it becomes all about that. So,
0: and I'm pretty skeptical on if Gerald's, you know, rituals and spells actually did, did they actually work? work? Yeah, yeah,
1: because I know this
0: was during a time when everything couldn't be, you know, videotaped or anything like that. So you've got to take this guy's word for for what he's doing. Right. You
1: know? Right. Yeah, it'd be one thing to really like witness it firsthand to see to be there during a ritual and, and really feel feel that energy. But to just read about it or hear about it in second, you know, second hand is definitely a lot harder to sort of wrap your head around. But Wicca is one of those religions that I think is very interesting. I think there's a lot of truths to it. I think there's a lot of things that anybody can take away from it. I mean, I think it's a very, it's a very peaceful religion. There's no, you know, it's, it's all about connecting with the earth and nature spirits and things like that, which I think is really cool. I mean, I'm a very nature-oriented guy. I like to <laughs> like to think that I worship nature in oh, a lot yeah. of ways, a naturist in a lot of ways. So, I definitely definitely like a lot of things that Wicca has to offer. I just personally don't attach myself to any any religion or any belief system specifically and say I am that right. Yeah, like, like I like to remain open to all things and just continue to you know go down all these different rabbit holes because there's just so much information right. out there. There's just and that's what's so cool like coming from the background that we did to now being able to really like dive into all these things and just you learn so much and you learn that there's so much more that was going on in the world besides Christianity and what was going on in that world. Mm-hmm. And even that world has changed so much from, right. from even a hundred years ago. I mean Christianity is continuing to evolve and, and change and you know I, I, I don't want to say that I'm anti-christian at all i definitely think that there's there's a lot of good things that christianity taught right. me there's obviously good morals and things yeah. like that good values but i don't necessarily think you need to be christian in order to be a good person i think you could be of any religion and be a good, i don't think religion has anything to do with whether or not you're a good person you mm-hmm. know i think it comes down to religion is something that is there to help you explain those unexplainable questions yeah, right like right right why am i here where do i go when i die those types exactly. of things all those questions that we have as human beings we search for those answers but some people want the answers now they don't want to like just leave it open to it's a mystery mm-hmm. that's beautiful that's magic yeah but they'd rather have concrete exactly. answers which the bible provides right which the quran provides which you know all the religious texts provide in some way so I get it why people identify religions and I want to say I'm not anti-religion and I'm I love all people. I love all people oh. of all walks of life. I have friends that are Christian. I have friends that are, you know, Buddhists. I have friends that are Satanists. Like I have friends of all, all walks of life. Mm-hmm. And it's just funny because I get, we get reviews sometimes from, crazy people who leave reviews are like you guys are just a bunch of satanists that oh I hate know. christians and hate- they
0: think we're just bashing christianity and that's not the case, case. it's no. just like
1: we're telling we're telling things from our point of view it's our opinion our experience in the religion of christianity obviously we didn't have a great experience so our views are are more negative mm. than some would be towards towards christianity but that's just us like right. that's our experience and like i know plenty of people that had a great experience and continue to be very involved in the church and in and christianity and, yeah. and that's fine that's totally cool i'm not i don't i don't go after them and tell them like no. get out of that get out it's absolute shit get out of christianity like i don't do that to people if it makes you happy then great yeah we're
0: happy for people who are christians and right. if they find peace in that i
1: mean Great. whatever brings you peace and whatever gives you comfort at night like right. our, our parents are still very christian like mm-hmm. i mean <laughs> it's honestly crazy that they don't say more things to us about our show and like <laughs> what we cover because they would it, all this stuff scares them like yeah my, my mom especially is absolutely terrified of these topics right and she's absolutely terrified of anything paranormal anything that has to do with yeah. spirits ghosts demons
0: they, they never bring up the show or they what topics no, we no they have never
1: brought it up and i'm sure they've looked yeah absolutely i mean i know they see our instagram and, <laughs> and stuff they see the stuff we're talking about and probably and, scares the shit out of them right and back in the day they would have been super judgmental they would mm-hmm. have been telling us like you guys are gonna go to hell for doing this you know yeah. you're gonna you're gonna conjure satan himself into the room <laughs> like But now they're, you know, they've they've gotten a lot more open, which is great, and and evolved, and and are a lot more open to things. Obviously, they don't approve of it, but they definitely just they understand that it's our thing, so Mm -hmm. we'll leave them alone. Exactly. But enough of our her family story, and that is it for today's episode of Lights Out. Hopefully, you found this one interesting. I know it's a little bit of a different sort of, of of topic for us, and it's not necessarily like dark and scary like a lot of our stuff but I think it's a good palate cleanser I like talking about a lot of these more you know mysterious topics and alternative beliefs I think it's very interesting and and it's just something I'm personally interested in which is why we cover you know people like Aleister Crowley and Gerald Gardner and we're going to cover more people mm-hmm. uh, we'll cover Lucian Greaves of the satanic temple because I think he's got a very interesting look at things and just continue exploring some of these lesser talked about subjects uh you know of the occult and esoteric and whatever else i find interesting so let us know what you thought of the episode uh make sure you're subscribed on youtube and apple podcasts we really appreciate it ratings and reviews always help also higher love wellness check it out use code homies and you get 10 off your whole order but that wraps it up for us today until next time lights out everybody